0: Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports-related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and what is going on? You're at the right place. You're at the right time because you're in and out. the Sheds. And yes, your Shed Adamus is here on his weekly banter, diatribe, soapbox stand. But most importantly, I'm here with you. And that's why we do this. We come together once a week to discuss all things footy, no matter if it's AFL, Aussie Rules, no matter if it's NRL. We are here to be together, in a world that's so divided right now, I think personally I just saw a rabbitoes fan and a Chook having lunch together. I, I don't know, maybe I maybe I saw it wrong, but uh, next thing you know, the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington football team are gonna be breaking bread together this Thanksgiving. And if that happens, ladies and gentlemen, who cares about presidential elections? Who cares who your prime minister is? You better run, and you better run fast. And I don't know where you're going to run. You can't come here. I'm just going to tell you that right now. You can't come here. But that being said, you can feel the energy from me right now. And that energy is because Origins. And that's right. Origin 2, last night. Is where we start our four to twenty. Where we start our push into this realm for this week. Wow, what can you say? I, I, what one of the things that the NRL origin, whatever you want to say, rugby league community down under does so well is to build up the week to come, that week that's coming, the games that are in our future. And I think that has been lost over here, maybe because we have so many sports from the NBA, NFL, NHL, cornhole, whatever it is, I think we've forgotten the buildup. You know, let's get ready. And, you know, I think the only time you really see that now is when, like, a number one versus number two college football game's coming. They're talking about it for the whole week. You know, you find out what, the you know, the favorite food is that the starting kicker is going to have that, you know, before the game. It gets that detailed. But one of the beautiful things that that especially the NRL has embraced is really – Doing promos about these games that are coming up, and really putting time and thought into them, and and uh, it just really gets you jazzed and ready to go. And and watching the, the the pregame shows, and and I think they started about an hour and a half before the game even kicked off last night or this morning, however wherever you watched it, but. It just had you so ready to go. You know, you got to talk. You got to hear from both coaches. Both coaches have dealt with the media so much. You know, Brad Fittler works as a media correspondent for the NRL. You know, he actually has his own show um, that he does with with Joey Johns, and then Wayne Bennett. I got to tell you, the old Clint Eastwood, he's getting so comfortable behind the mic. That guy's always got a smile on his face now. Half the time, you almost thought you had to put a mirror underneath his nose to see if he was breathing in the box, and now he's cracking jokes. He's doing a little huckle-bucking, a little dancing after victories. I don't know if this is what you would consider second life, but I think I heard Paul Kent say last night that, okay, let's be, this isn't cocoon, okay, Wayne, Meaning, I think Wayne Bennett is, by every means, in his 70s. And it seems like he's enjoying his footy. He's so much enjoying his footy right now. He actually said that he is ready to coach the Rabbitohs next year and he's ready to coach the Maroons for double duty. Which I don't know how that's possible since Queensland pretty much kicked Kevin Walters out the out the front door when he took the job as the Broncos coach. But all of a sudden, because they win game one, it's not a problem. Let's talk to Clint Eastwood about doing both gigs. And he sounds like he's ready for it. So I really think watching Wayne dance in the locker room shows, after the victory last week, shows the energy that, that Origin brings. And, you know, like I, like I told you guys when we came together last week also, just the commercials we watched during the super league matches last week it just it just really it just really shows you if you know the world of rugby league there is nothing like origin and i think when it, it when a competition a three game competition overshadows the world cup in a sport that just shows you how great it is and it again did not let us down Because we really didn't know what we were gonna see last night. Coming into it, you know, you have you have, you know, Freddie, Brad Fittler making changes, sitting down Luke Curry. And if you remember how Origin started, some maroons were were, were rumbling that Luke Carey should have never been in a blues uniform anyway, that he should have been a maroon from his birth and all of this. And that's how quick a week changes. It goes from talking about how Luke Curry should be a maroon to no one Luke Curry not even suiting out for the match. Because Freddie has, well, plain and simply, benched him, and then not even benched him, not even suited him up, and that was that caught a lot of people off guard. Because I think everyone had been wanting to see Luke Curie on the origin stage, but what happens? Freddie, Freddie has his, how should I say, he has two fingers on the pulse. And he thinks that Cody Walker deserves a chance to help embattled Nathan Cleary in the halves turn the ship, right the ship. You know, and that's not even going into the drama from this week of of like we were talking about again, about Boyd Cordner and his his, his head injuries and how if you watch the press conferences after Origin 1, you know, it was making it seem like you know, Boyd was going to be fine. And and I told you guys last week, I just did not see Boyd Corner playing the rest of the Origin Series. And lo and behold, Boyd Cordner is not playing the rest of the Origin Series. So now the captain of the Blues is done for the series. After a loss, so a must-win game, he starts messing around with the roster a little bit catching some ridicule from former players from the Blues. Mitchell Pierce was very strong and adamant that he thought that Luke Carey should not have been removed. So what do you do? And then, and then it makes you think, why the hell would anyone want to be a coach of anything? Because everybody's right in their own way, right? So that's how it starts off. And then you have the other side. You have the team playing with house money. The Maroons, Queensland. Because Queensland's already won game one. No one's expecting them to even be in this position. They're going into the belly of the beast or their arch nemesis. They're going into Sydney to play the Blues. But guess what? Who cares if we win? Who cares? Because we get game three at Suncorp Stadium. We get game three at Blues Kryptonite Central. Queensland. So, So maybe that is why during the the pregame coverage, you know, there was such a relaxation with the Maroons that they knew that even if they did not win, they still had to get beaten twice. And you were going to have to come and do it where you guys never do it at in Queensland. So that's a lot of drama. But that's why we watch sports anyway. We love sports because of the drama. We watch sports because no matter how much your Shed Adamas might pick his his games week in and week out with victory, he's not going to get them all right. And you don't know. The Dallas Cowboys almost beat the unbeaten Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL last week. And they were a double-digit dog. No one thought that the Cowboys had a chance against the Steelers. And they almost pulled off the upset, bled most of the game. So this is why the intrigue of sports will never change, no matter of what, who the president is of your country, no matter who, I don't know who who's the cornhole champion. I, it doesn't matter. We just don't know. So I just didn't, I, you know, when the when the game started. A lot of the talk was they said whichever team took the the lead into halftime was not going to relinquish it after what transpired in Origin 1 with the Blues losing the big lead in the second half. There was no way that Wayne was going to let that happen, and I guarantee if the Blues had that sensation again, they were not going to let up. And it was so powerful because they had the remembrance ceremony before the game for... For fallen soldiers and, and those who served and and I got to tell you, I don't know how it affects you, but every time I l- hear and watch the last post, even though last night the bugle man was he was struggling a little bit, let's be honest, it it just tugs at my heartstrings, it it really does. And the Anzacs do it right, uh, the passion with it. You had a few knuckleheads last night that might have had one too many 2 two extra drives. But besides that, it's just it's just so emotional. And what a way to kick off Origin, too. And then the kickoff. We get the game started right off the bat. And let's be honest. The first 10 minutes of that game, it looked like the team that really hadn't been there before, the young Maroons, Again, we're playing with no care in the world. We're pa- we're playing just for the fun of the game, playing like, hey, let's just go out here and be our best. And Xavier Coates might have scored at the seven-minute mark one of the greatest tries that I've seen all season. And I know they point that out all the time, how these wingers, the, the goals that they score... Were things we wouldn't have even seen 10 years ago. But that try that he scored, and from the angle that the camera shot it at, I was like, there's no way he got that down. But he did. And 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 I've got to tell you, you know, maybe Kevin Walters knows something we don't know. But the Broncos have some some pieces in place for next year. And that to me watching Xavier Coates and, and 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 guys coming out of origin and, and and it's going to be fascinating to see this year with the guys not having to to do the second half of the season after getting beat up in an origin series these guys are going to take all these experiences that they've that they've that they've gone through the highs and the lows of origin and be able to process it and I don't think these guys have ever been able to process what origin really means and what they had to do to whoever wins the series or whoever loses the series. No one's been able to sit back and process it because they're right back into camp to go right back into the second half of the season. And whoever wins and whoever loses are going to be able to sit and stew or celebrate and, and, and really embrace that feeling of triumph like we've not seen in this series before. So I'm wondering what some of these younger guys from, from Queensland, like Xavier Coates, is going to do with this. Because right after he scored his try, they beat the hell out of him. I'm saying he got cut in half about twice. Looked like he wasn't going to be able to even play the ball. Jake laid him out. I'm saying that that shot that Jake Dravojevic put on his hip I, I don't know if he's got a hip anymore after that. But but Xavier Coates went, within about a three-minute time span, we went from the highs and lows of the game of a guy from from sheer exhilaration to I can't feel the left side of my body. And that's, again, the, the beauty of origin because one minute you're on top of the world, the next minute you're like, why am I out here? But that 10-minute mark That first 10 minutes of of, of Maroon's dominance went from that highs that I was talking about to the lows and the brutality of the game. Because most of us didn't even notice with the line dropout kick in the end line that Cameron Munster got injured. And it didn't look like anything because it happened so quickly. But... The violence that Cameron Munster's head bounced off the turf, bounced off the grass, and how it hit and the way it hit from that snapping back and the back of the head hitting there and to him looking like he'd just gone 15 rounds with Mike Tyson as he tried to run down the field. We didn't know it right then, but you sure sense the stability in the halves had now been influenced because deep down, With the way that his head hit that ground, and without that mustache on his upper lip for origin like he had the last month and a half of the season for the Storm, I think everyone knew that Cameron Munster was not coming back into that game, which now all of the weight rides now on DCE's shoulders, and even though Cameron Munster hasn't had a standout performance yet in this series, everybody knows the player that he is, and now that his blood alcohol level is now probably balanced out after winning the comp with the Storm... We were looking for some big things, and there had even been some projections. They were expecting Munster maybe being the best player on the field for this game. But again, the highs and lows of the game, because now Cameron Munster's gone. Your 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 spine is in, in upheaval, and we just we just don't know now who's going to steer the ball around the field with DCE. And folks, that was about the end of the highlights for the old boys from Queensland because after that point, it was all blues. Cody Walker puts his stamp down that he should have been the pick maybe from the beginning by Brad Fittler and scores in the 17th minute. James Tedesco, another one of the Huh? Because now James Tedesco, for the first time in his not professional career, but his entire life playing the game of rugby league, was named captain for the first time ever. He'd never been a captain before. James Tedesco scores a try at the twenty-second minute, and in the thirty-seventh minute, Josh Addo-Carr once again running at thirty-six. .5 .5 kilometers an hour because I think he is a sports car scores another try. 18 of four 18 of four going in a half for the blues and and, and, and let's be honest when we say this, there was not a sensation whatsoever that Wayne Bennett was going to run into that locker room. And change the fortunes for Queensland after that. I think I think we all sensed that there was no way. As the great Buford T. Justice from Smoking the Bandit would say, No way, no way were the Maroons coming back in the second half. Okay, he didn't say anything about the Maroons, but But they weren't coming back. And I think everyone sensed it. The question was Were they going to show the pride that they always talk about in that Maroons jersey and make it beyond difficult for the Blues to get Origin 2 victory? Or were the Blues about ready to take out a little bit of frustration on the boys from the North? And like everyone says, the next person who scores coming out of half might be the team favorite to carry that on and 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 ride out the second half. Well, if that was the case, they were really in trouble. Because in the 42nd minute, Jack Whiten, who again was in battle, your Daily M winner from Canberra, scores a try. Daniel Tupo, then in the 52nd minute, scores a try. And by that point, We knew the game was over. We knew that the Blues... The question was, were they going to start thinking ahead about Origin 3? Or were they going to continue to finish business and take care of it? And to continue to leave an emblazoned memory or moment in memory in the Maroons' mind that they should have never won Origin 1. And this is the team they should have faced all along. But Josh Papali in the 62nd minute helped stem a little bit of the bleeding by scoring a try. But within two minutes of that try, Josh Josh Adokar in the 64th minute scores again for the Blues. And by that point, If you were a Maroon supporter, I don't know how you got a ticket in Sydney. Congratulations if you did. Or maybe not congratulations that you had to experience that. But everyone knew it was over. Now the one thing about origin that everyone, especially the old pundits, like to talk about is the Biff. And there's been some classics. There's been some classic punch-ups in origin history. My first one that I experienced watching Origin was was Paul Gallon throwing some haymakers. And now you know Gal, he still likes to see himself as a professional heavyweight boxer, and he's fight he's got another fight lined up this this uh coming off season, even though I know Gal isn't playing anymore. But you know why Gal is putting a fight in that because it's always going to be in his mind his offseason. But we actually had our first Throwdown I guess you can say In this origin series And it was Pain Haas Against Big Tino And there had been an article Written in the Brisbane newspaper About these two Having a little bit of a disdain for one another Back in school boys And, and, playing, and growing up playing against one another And these are some big guys Now there's some guys That will act like they want to throw punches There's some guys that like to throw one over somebody's shoulder because they know that nothing can hit them because they're braced behind a a nice big wall. These two big boys, that was not the case at all. And one of the things that was said by one of them was, I was a little upset because they were holding me back and I couldn't really fire off the shots that I wanted to. And I'm not going to say names because, hey, I'm not indicting anybody. Matter of fact, I'm a fan of the Biff. I'm a fan of if a couple guys want to throw hands, let a couple guys throw hands. None of them are professional fighters. I've never seen, and, and anybody, if I'm wrong... I want you to contact me at Outside the Sheds anyway, so send me a line saying, no, I remember back in 1996, uh, you know, uh, there was a hand broken on some, well, okay, that might have happened. But most of these guys don't even lay punches anyway. But I just, that shows you the passion of what's going on. When you when you see guys pushed to the brink of throwing punches, that shows you the emotion and the belief and what's on the line in a game. And I really I really feel the NRL I don't want to say it's taken a downturn because I love the game, but them sending guys right to the bin after a a little fracas like that, I think it's because, truthfully, I think it's because the referees weigh 114 pounds, and they don't want to be caught anywhere close to two grown, physical, impending, imposing forces coming head-to-head like that. If you've seen any of those officials, I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, These guys, anyway, let's not do that. But anyway, seeing those guys go at it, and again, with Dylan Brown being out there, you know, things like this can happen. But so really we got everything in, in in this origin match. And then it was punctuated ending it out in the 75th minute, Nathan Cleary, even though the game was out of reach, putting his full stamp on maybe the best kicking performance I might have seen in my life of being associated with Origin because he nailed that 40-20. And you know I love myself a 40-20. But he nailed himself a 40-20 with some moxie, with some confidence. And I think as you watched him run down the field receiving a little bit of approval from his, his teammates, That for the first time maybe in two and a half weeks, Nathan Cleary felt good. And he felt good about himself. And he felt good about his game. And I think it's so strange to say that because Nathan Cleary was by far, by far the best player in the competition this year. I told you my reason why I couldn't give him the Daily M this year. And that's because his professional TikTok video with Nathan Cleary and the female dancers but as a player on the field nobody played better than Nathan Cleary this whole season and it was really it was really sad to see just what he's come under the, this last few weeks from losing the grand final knowing that they if they would have started better they they would have really had a chance to win it and then the, the the real ridicule that he took from some some of the professional pundits and 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 uh, reporters and and writers and ex blues players of the way that he really just did not impose his will in Origin One, it was really good to see him play like the player we know that he is. But it was really good to see the energy after the match. When he, was, when he was doing an interview with Cody Walker, that there was a, there was a spark back in his eye. There was a real, a real sense of relief. And it, to me, I know it's, it's, it's funny for us non-professional players, it's funny for us that have never been on that stage, to just think we know how these guys are going to react when they get punched in the face quote unquote bad experience bad results happen but they're all humans we're all humans and we all have to step our game up at different times and those are the champions those are the guys that you want to go to war with those are the guys that you want in the foxhole with you and I think again when this series is done if Nathan Cleary leads the Blues to triumph next Wednesday for Origin 3, I think that offseason that he's going to have is going to help him, one, be able to recover from the grand final loss with Penrith like no other grand final loser has been able to do because no one has been able to go into an Origin series, like I said earlier, and been able to play great footy then and be able to take that highlight into his offseason. But he can do that. And that's what's on the table. Because 34-10, to 10, the Blues win that match. It's the fourth largest victory in the history of the series for the Blues. And that's huge. That's huge because to do what they have to do next week... To do what they're going to have to do to get over the hoodoo of going up to Queensland. To go to Suncorp Stadium, and I love Suncorp Stadium. I, 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 All around it is nice. I've got to bike around there, around that neighborhood. And it just, I've been to both. I've been to Anzac Stadium to watch a match. I've been to Suncorp. Unfortunately, I still have not seen a match live at Suncorp Stadium. But I've been there. And it's it just has a feeling about it. I don't I I can't really describe it. I, I you know, there's no people there. There's just you. But the statues are out front. It just it just has an ambiance about it that just is is it's just very, very special. But this is coming from a guy who's never been on the field. This is coming from a guy that's not had 50,000 people yelling for me. So what must it be like for those players? On both sides, if you want to think about it that way. Because the weight that the Blues will feel going into it, no matter if they're going to go into it as a very, very, very large favorite. Is that going to be overshadowed by the just straight will of the Maroons? Which, it, unfortunately or fortunately, no matter what side you, you root for, has been the history of this series. The Maroons want to drag you into deep water. They want to bring you up to the humid heat of Suncorp in Queensland and choke you out. And it works for him, usually. It works for him, usually. Now, to, to round out the 40-20s for this week, I'm just going to put more of an asterisk here, Shedheads, because right now there's so many trades going on in the AFL that we're going to, when the trade deadline ends and all the all the guys get where they where their new home is, quote-unquote, going to be, uh, in the next few weeks, we'll be going over that in in the dead period of, of of outside the sheds, where we'll all be outside the sheds, right? But we'll go over the trades that have gone down, the the, the player movement, and we'll probably set up where we'll do. Maybe one episode where we just break down all of the breakdowns for the forty twenty of of where all the player movement is happened in the AFL and then where all the player movement has happened in the NRL and just give both of them their, their full run. But So I wanted to let you guys know, I'm definitely watching the trade period, uh, but there's so many things still up in the air and there's a lot of, you know, I don't know how many times we can hear about where Adam Treloar is going next, but, you know, We'll find out here in the next week or two, and then we'll break all of that down. So that is our forty twenty, and when it's origin, there really doesn't need to be anything else. But let's go into the future. Let's get into Shed Adamas' crystal ball. Let's go and say, we've just jumped ahead, haven't we? Let's talk about origin three. The Blues are going for the first three-peat since 2003 to 2005 season. That's a while ago. Matter of fact, that's so long ago, if you would have read about COVID, it would have been in a novel, and you'd be like, ooh, boy. Ooh, that was really, really scary. That's how long ago that was. Heck, the coach... Brad Fittler, Freddie Fittler, played on that team. That's how long ago this was. So history is on the brink of happening here. And if you're a Blues fan, (laughs) after the the Maroons have dominated for as much and as long as they have recently, (laughs) you're probably saying, oh God, please, right? Please, let me just have a little bit of bragging right here. And so that's what's going for But again, this is what the Maroons want to prevent The Maroons want to continue To ride on That we've been the most dominant team In the last 15 years Since, let's put it this way Probably since that 2005 origin That the Maroons have pretty much Been on top of the world So what happens now? Do the young, inexperienced Maroons lift their level? What do they have in the tank? One thing I will tell you, Valentine Holmes, who is a gun, maybe not one of the guns this week, but is a gun of a player, Val already admitted that the spine has to be better. And I think Val's you know, this is Val's comeback season from the New York Jets, and by God, I don't know if Val is a, is, a, is a religious man, but the prayers he should be showing and praying and talking to whatever higher power he speaks to, that he retired from the NFL to get away from the New York Jets, just think of the years of his life he could have lost with that experience. But anyway, I don't know if we really can say what the spine for the Maroons is really going to be like with Val Holmes there, because Cameron Munster didn't play 70 minutes of the last game. So that's a big question. And that, again, leads to the next question. How healthy is Cameron Munster going to be? Now Cameron Munster hasn't had a history of head knocks like Boyd Cordner or Jake Friend, the hooker for, for Queensland. But That was a violent head clash. That was a violent recoil off of the turf. And even though Cameron Munster was on the sideline, looking like he was more in pain of what was going on in the field than anything that was going on in his head, how healthy is he going to be? And I don't think Cameron Munster can grow that mustache back in a week. And we know the power of the mustache. But that is a big, big question. And that is something that we don't know. Even my crystal ball isn't telling me right now. Shaddamas' ball isn't telling him anything like that yet. But then we go down to coaching. And we come to Wayne Bennett. And you're gonna try to tell me that Wayne Bennett isn't relishing in this right now. That Wayne Bennett isn't going, I can lead my Maroons to a series victory and ride out of Suncorp Stadium on my white horse and have it dip to the crowd and then ride off into the sunset or until next season. It's perfect. And the way the guy can put a story down, the way that he can bring out the best in his players, that's a tall tale the Blues are going to have to go up against. Because the hoodoo that they have and one of the things that's different is that a lot of the players in the key positions for the Blues have not been there for a lot of the heartbreak that have been experienced by the Blues they may have watched on television but they haven't been in the sheds Nathan Cleary hasn't been there James Tedesco Maybe a little bit, maybe towards the end. But James Tedesco has more memories of victories than he has any type of losing in this series. Josh Adokar, well, come on, let's be honest. Josh Adokar doesn't remember anything besides last night. And that's what makes him Josh Adokar. But then let's stay with Josh Adokar. Because if you watch the post-match festivities and the press conferences, Josh Adokar was acting a little bit different He was standing there, once again Doing what Josh Adokar always does Standing around without his shirt on And he was kind of testing his And it looked like he was testing his ankle But it comes To The future that we find out That Josh Adokar has a toe injury And he was in In a moon boot leaving the stadium Last night Now the Fox is a machine. And we know he's a sports car, but he's a physical sports car. And this guy, win or lose, has been scoring tries in this series. And been maybe the most dominant player for the Blues this entire series. You need Josh Adokar. Period. Now, I guess you could put Gutho out on maybe one of the wings, but you're not going to get the speed from Clint Gutherson and Gutho wanted to definitely show that he was in the series with a shot that he put on Valentine Holmes after a kick last night as well but Josh Idokar has to be out on the field for them to do what they need to do up at Suncorp on Wednesday let's go over this one more time Just in case you have not been paying attention, you haven't been keeping notes for the last three weeks Welcome, I hope you've come out of your your slumber, Sleeping Beauty But, like I said to begin the series, Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday So we've got, on the 18th, next Wednesday, Origin 3 We only have to wait a week It's a beautiful, beautiful thing So remember that, everybody Again, it looks like a 3 a.m. start in North America. Fox Sports 1, you get to listen to the great Rabbits. Ray Warren call a match. But it is next Wednesday. So I, I, to, to say that I am excited about Origin 3 would be like me saying I love myself a mustache. And I don't care if it's on... Cameron Munster or not, but a good mustache, Ryan, Ryan Kill, Campbell-Gilliard. But there are some, some, some classic mustaches out there. But it's going to be... What makes it so exciting is we just don't know what we're going to experience. We don't know what we're going to see next week. And going into it, I think both teams feel very, very confident about their chances. The question is, did the Blues the throttling they gave the Maroons, does it have a lasting or effect, or was it such a beating that the Maroons are like, that was just a bad night, and who cares? We're going home, and that's what we're going to find out. But anybody, excuse me, anyway, that is what we get to experience next Wednesday, everybody, for Origin 3. So shed heads, mark your calendars. We will be back again to do the full breakdown, the full recap of the entire origin series next Wednesday, Thursday, whatever time you want to say it, but Wednesday after the match. Let's go to the guns from this last origin. And I've unfortunately, or fortunately, because, you, you know, shedheads, you're smart. You know my three guns all New South. Wales. All blues. And truthfully, it wasn't even close. The blues dominated. And so my three guns are all blues. My number one gun, Nathan Cleary. Again, Cleary had the most to prove, and he did it with spades. He went four for six for conversions. had 115 all-around meters, one line break, one line break assist, three tackle breaks, 24 tackles, 475 kicking meters, two forced dropouts, and one 40-20. And just that 40-20 makes it he should be my number one gun. But anyway, Nathan Cleary's kicking game and the way that he went out there quiet cool, meaning that nothing was going to phase him really set the tone for the Blues. Because that first 10 minutes, like I said, the Maroons were coming for him. And that Cleary kind of rode it out and then went straight on the attack with the guys, really stamped in what the rest of the match was going to be like. So Nathan Cleary easily is my number one gun for this week. But I'll tell you, Nathan Cleary, for them to win... Origin 3 probably has to be my number one gun next week as well. Number two, and welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. James Teddy Tedesco, your new captain for New South Wales. Teddy is my number two gun. One try. 239 running meters. 80 kick return meters. Two line breaks. Two line break assists two try assists, four tackle breaks, four tackles, 16 kicking meters, and one forced dropout. Say that fast. Teddy was all over the field. And to have the game that James Tedesco had, after being named the most important position as captain for the Blues... I think tells you everything about the player James Tedesco is. But we are so short-sighted. Everyone forgets that just two seasons ago, the guy was the Daily M winner for the Roosters. Tedesco is one of the best players in the game. If not the best player in the game. And just because he had a bad origin one, the guy had a knee injury. He was coming off of a, a minor surgery. So, to me, James Tedesco is just getting healthy. He's taking no knocks out of Origin 2. And I don't see him doing anything but having a great game for Origin 3. So James Tedesco is my number two gun. And number three, he may not have been the flashiest player on the field. But he might have been the most sound and thorough player on the field. And that's the big giraffe, Daniel Tupo. Daniel Tupo had one try, 227 running meters, 54 kick return meters, one line break, two tackle breaks. But I think when you see those stats, the thing that you that you have to think about and envision is every time they kicked to Daniel Tupo's side of the field Daniel Tupo put his body at risk and rose above all of the tacklers that were coming in and made a sound tackle I will say that was Daniel Tupo's probably best game since the 2018 season with the Roosters When they won the whole comp. Daniel Tupo was in sleek cruise mode. And I don't know if I've seen Daniel Tupo run with aggression the way that he did every time he got the ball. And it always flipped the field. It always got the maroons on the back foot. And it set up for a a solid, strong offensive attack series for the Blues. Every time he touched the ball. And that's not, Daniel Tupo would have been my number three gun, even if he wouldn't have scored a try. That's how important his fielding of kicks was and his return meters, what he did after he touched the ball. Every time he touched the ball, he did something positive. And I think if Daniel Tupo is starting to play that well, and don't forget, he was overlooked last season for origin. So he's got a point to prove. Just like Cody Walker, just like some of these guys, you might only get that one shot to show who you are in this series. So you better do something with it when you get it. So Daniel Tupo is my number three gun. And that's my thing. When you look at these players that we're talking about, truthfully, the Blues, like everyone has said, should easily be the favorite to win this series. But we still, because they're facing Queensland at Suncorp, we don't know the outcome. And that is how big that that maroon jersey is they put on for this series means to them and how this team has proven time and time again how they can lift their game for the big moments. So it's very, very exciting. But those are the guns of the week, which leads us to outside the bubble. And a very very unique outside the bubble week. We could talk about how every college kid in America seems like they have COVID that plays college football. That's a joke. I'm joking. That's a joke. Shed heads, calm down. Because I said we weren't going to talk about college football because I did not believe in what they were doing with college football. But I don't. I might not have to say anything because I, it looks like COVID is dictating what happens with college football anyway. So it's it's a non point, right? Non point. But what I do want to talk about, not the guns, but I want to talk about young guns. And last weekend, we got to see two of the last three Heisman Trophy winners go toe-to-toe with Tua versus Kyler Murray in the desert. Dolphins versus Cardinals. The sad part about this is that most of the country didn't even get to see this game. Most of the country did not get to see a shootout between two of the most electric players in the league. Kyler Murray, who 10 years ago in the NFL would not have got drafted probably, but because the game is now woken up and it stopped being geriatric, was the number one pick. And then Tua, who a lot of people, I cannot believe I'm going to say this, questioned if we were going to see, quote unquote, the Tua again. The player, if a lot of people forget, four years ago was the lock of locks. The guy that's going to change your franchise if you got him. The guy that was going to change the position of quarterback. That is how short-sighted sports aficionados, fans, whatever you want to say, are. Because it went from Tua being a a, a non- This guy is it. This guy is the future of the game. A non-miss. To, you know what? This might be a a tryout for Tua to see if he even has a place in the league. Yeah, that's how quick we are to get rid of guys because of the next big thing. But guess who's never lost faith in themselves? Guess who still thinks they're still that same player? And after being thrown in the fire his first game, Against the Rams and Aaron Darnold, who came Aaron Donald, who was going to come and try to break his hip and his leg and his neck for the Rams, Tua survived that game, and Tua, more thanks to the Dolphins' defense, beat a Rams team that most people thought were going to go in and beat the Dolphins, and that led the Fighting fins. That's right, everybody, Shed Heads. I just call the Miami Dolphins the Fighting Finns. The Miami Dolphins had a three-game winning streak. But on the other side of the ball was an Arizona Cardinals team under young, moxie-filled Kyler Murray, the guy who looks like whenever he puts his face up to a microphone like he has indigestion and wants to be anywhere else but there, also was leading his team with a three-game winning streak. And that tells you everything right there. That shows you that we've got very unique places for the future of the game. And they did not disappoint, folks. Shedheads, both of these quarterbacks, played well. Tua showed his elusiveness and got first downs with his feet, was dropping the ball all around the field. And the funny thing is, he didn't have his starting two running backs He was missing some of his receiving core. And Tua still led the Fighting Finns to a victory in the desert. And that has nothing to take away from Kyler Murray because that guy led the, the, the Cardinals into field goal range. But for whatever reason, instead of pulling out the driver, their kicker pulled out his pitching wedge and missed the field goal to tie the game late by about... Twenty about by, by 7 yards after he had already kicked an over 50 yard field goal earlier in the game that's why you don't ever trust your soccer player but anyway but what a fun game and I actually got to watch the, the second half replay today and man it was fun to watch Kyler Murray that guy is so fast if you don't have the corner if you don't have the corner isolated and, and, and locked down he's going to get to the edge and he's going to get another 5 to 10 to 20 to 30 yards, depending on if there's coverage downfield. Just fun. Just just a fun, fun, fun thing. And i got to tell you something. The league's got to be grinning because they've got some young all-star quarterbacks that are coming up. And you've got a Trevor Lawrence that's going to be in the league probably next season. you got Wilson probably coming in from BYU, who's another fun guy to watch play the game. And a lefty, not that I like to pick favorites, but go left-handed quarterbacks. But this this NFL league is about ready to take a real boost of adrenaline, steroid, whatever you want to say in the arm or the butt, wherever you want to take that needle. But it is about ready to be charged because there's a lot of teams that are really going, oh, what am I saying? And Justin Fields, there's another guy right there. And if it wasn't for Trevor Lawrence coming out this year, probably. (laughs) Sorry, Jet fan, about having to say that. Probably. But Justin Fields is probably going to get drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that means that every team you would think in the league has their guy. And you tell me the last time the NFL had almost every team thinking they had their guy. And we're talking teams that didn't feel like they were going to get four wins a season. And they all think they have their guy to go forward. Except for the Giants. But they it's okay. The New York Giants are the New York Giants. My second outside the bubble is kind of a continuation of last week. And we're going back down into Houston with their new coach, but it looks like the Rockets are going to self-implode. Because now, over the last two days, Russell Westbrook has asked for his, his, his walking papers out of Houston. And now, story just broke probably about an hour and a half ago that they're saying James Harden isn't even taking phone calls from the Rockets. And, it's given, and, and he's given them a list... Of three teams that he could be traded to. One of them being the Brooklyn Nets. um, The Miami Heat. Which I have no idea. Pat Riley wouldn't touch James Harden if you paid him. Because he doesn't believe in the Heat way. And the third being where a lot of people already have him penciled in. The Philadelphia 76ers. Where his ex-GM Daryl Morey is up there running basketball operations. But wow, just think about this. A year ago, the talk was, was this going to be the year the Rockets made it to the NBA final? And it looks like the Houston Rockets are about ready to go lose their coach, lose their GM, lose their top two players, and are going to be in a rebuilding phase after they pretty much pushed all their chips into the middle of the the table by trading Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. So it looks like we've got a, I don't know, three quarter of a year audition of small ball in Houston, and we're going to blow the whole thing up. It's fascinating how quickly things can change in sport, the landscape of sport, where one minute it looks like everything is good, and then the next minute it's all gone. And the last thing I want to finish with my outside the bubble, and this kind of is something that kind of brings me back into a a happy place. And Shedheads, it is outside the bubble with Corey Jackson. But I got to see this year's two Cy Young winners pitch at the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. Because today and just a few hours ago, Trevor Bauer was named the first Cy Young winning pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds in the history of the franchise. And Bieber won the Cy Young for the Cleveland Indians. First off, I don't know if that's ever happened, that one's, that one state has won the Cy Young for both American and National League. Now thinking about it, but I got to see both of these guys pitch in college. Bieber with the Gauchos of UCSB and Trevor Bauer with that UCLA team that maybe had the best pitching rotation we've seen in college baseball in the last 20 years. But it's really, really cool to say that you've seen guys from the time they were young and where they've, where they've kind of ascended to. And even though Trevor Bauer might be one of the quirkiest athletes that you'll ever see and, and he has no problem throwing balls out of stadiums and telling you what he believes, look that guy up. I'm telling you, it's worth looking up some Trevor Bauer. But it's really cool to see guys with all the potential in the world see it, meet it, and exceed it. So congratulations to both Bieber and to the crazy man, Trevor Bauer. But Shed Heads, that brings us to a conclusion for this week's Outside the Sheds As usual Your Shed Adamus will be back next week To break down Origin 3 Make sure you look look for us on Instagram We'll be updating and doing some posts there Even though I've told you how much I love social media But hey I'm going to give you as much Outside the Sheds As I possibly can Definitely reach out Send me a line on that On Instagram at Outside the Sheds, send me a message on Twitter, Outside the Sheds, send me a message here, because again, like I tell you, week in and week out, Outside the Sheds is as strong as we make it, and let's make it as strong as we possibly can, but until that time, stay out of trouble, don't get caught, this is Outside the Sheds, I'm your host, Corey Jackson, see ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.